What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, a father is not a good father unless he first loves the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might. And then it says in Deuteronomy 6, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He says, shall be in thine heart. You know, it means that in order for a father to be a good father, the Bible must be in his heart. Not just in his head, but in his heart. When the Bible is only in the head, that means a person knows the Bible, but it's different when the Bible's in the heart. A person may have studied birds for example, and can know all about birds. But a bird watcher is different. A bird watcher, he's got birds in his heart. (laughs) He loves birds. You can't walk outside with a bird watcher who has birds in his heart, but he stops and he says, you see that bird up there? You can't see that bird. You have to look at it and say, right there. He says, you see it? Oh, yeah. He says, that's a blue jay. He says, and you look, you don't see it. He says, he, look, he says, look more carefully. Then you see it. He points it out to you. And then, and then he goes on talking about the blue jay until he sees another bird. You know, Vance Havner, maybe you've heard of Vance Havner. He was a great Bible teacher. You know, he was the one who had all these funny sayings like some people in church are like wheelbarrows, useful only when they're pushed and easily upset. <laughs> That's Vance Havner. He, he went to heaven in 1968. But he was a bird watcher, Vance Havner was. How many of you remember Francis Darnell? Anybody remember Francis Darnell? Well, Muriel does. Muriel remembers everybody. She's going to be the last one out. You're going to turn the lights out. (laughs) Francis Darnell remembers. uh, Muriel remembers Francis Darnell. Francis Darnell was a bird watcher. She loved birds. You know, when, when, when when we used to, Cheryl and I used to take business trips overseas, and then Francis would stay with our kids in our house. And, and we'd go away and leave them with Francis. And she was a bird watcher. And when we'd come back, our boys would tell us. They would tell us about what, what happens. And, and, and they would say, you know, she'd be driving down the road. And all of a sudden, without saying a word, with no warning, she would just pull off the road. 
and bring out her binoculars and stare. <laughs> she saw a bird. <laughs> She's a bird watcher. See? Why? Why'd she do that? Because that's what a bird watcher is. A bird watcher is like a Francis Jones. She had birds in her heart. Right? And they weren't, they weren't just in her head. They were in her heart. And she was looking. She loved birds. And so she's looking for birds. She saw birds. She studied them. And then she talked to the boys about the birds. The boys were very impressed. They told us all about this. And said, and the birds are. In the same way, God is saying to the fathers in Deuteronomy 6, 6, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Don't just have the Bible in your head, but in your heart. I remember uh, one time we had a big uh, clinical chemistry meeting, a trade show meeting in Chicago, and I had to work at the booth. And so, so Cheryl, she decided that afternoon she was going to take a special trip, a ride, a special boat ride in the Chicago River. You know, it goes to the Chicago River, goes all through the city of Chicago. And that boat ride was called the Architecture River Cruise. And it's put on by the students of the Chicago Architecture Foundation. And when she came back, and from that architecture cruise, she said, it was unbelievable. She said, she said, she not only learned so much about architecture, but she became interested in architecture. And she started to point out to me certain architectural features of buildings and so forth. Why? Because those students on that boat, on that cruise, they not only taught her about architecture, they infected the hearers with a love for architecture. She said it was amazing. She said, you'd see, she said you see a building in the distance, and, 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 they, and they would say, you see that building? You see that building over there? You see the shape at the top? And then they would give the name and explain what both are, the structure and the beauty of, the, of that feature. And she said when those students saw a building, they went, they went into their own world. It was a world of architecture, and they saw and they appreciated these different features of the building. Why? Because those students not only knew architecture, they had architecture in their heart. And they were architects because they looked for and they meditated on and they spoke about buildings, structures, architecture. Architecture was in their heart. They spoke about it. They infected the hearers on that boat with a love for architecture. Before that, my wife never talked to me about architecture, but after that, she did. That's what God means when he says in Deuteronomy 6, 6, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. A bird watcher loves birds, and he has birds in his heart. An architect loves, an architect loves architecture, and he has architecture in his heart. A good father loves the word of God, and he has the word of God in his heart, just like a bird watcher has bird in the hearts and so forth. And just as the bird watcher with bird in his heart and the architect with architecture in his heart, they speak about birds and architecture, so will the father. So will the father with the word of God in his heart speak about the word of God. You know, speak to his children. That's why he says, thou shalt teach them first in your heart. And then verse 6, then verse 7, then thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. A good father has the word of God in his heart, and he can't stop talking about the word of God. 
He's talking all the time about the Word of God. He's like a bird watcher in the forest or an architect in the city. The good father with the Word of God in his heart, he's just talking all the time about the Word of God. The good father, the, the good father with the Bible in his heart, he wakes up in the morning, he's talking about the Word of God. When the good father with the Bible in his heart, he sits down at the breakfast table, he's talking about the Word of God. The good father with the Bible in his heart, when he's walking down the road, he's talking about the Word of God. When he's, when he's lying down before he's getting ready to go to sleep, he's talking about the Word of God, just like the bird watcher. He's not happy. The bird watcher's not happy until he throws open his windows in the morning. He hears the song, the morning song of the birds. Makes him happy. He's not happy at night until he throws open his window. Here's the song, the evening songs of the birds. Good father's not happy until he opens his Bible in the morning, hears the word of God, fills his heart in the morning. Same way, he's not happy. The good father's not happy till he opens the Bible, hears the word of God, lets it fill his heart in the evening before he goes to sleep. The architect's not happy till he sees a structure, he appreciates it, and he, take, he talks to someone else. Here, can I explain this to you? And just the bird watcher talks about the birds. The architect talks about the architecture. The good father has the word of God in his heart. He talks about the word of God. All the time, he's talking about the word of God. He's explained that. And in Deuteronomy 6, 6, he says, And these words which I command these days shall be in thine heart, lodged in thine heart, and then thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and so forth. And when it says to teach them diligently unto the children, the greatest way that he diligently teaches his children the word of God is when, he, when his children look at him and they see he's put the word of God in his heart and he's teaching by his example. He's talking about it. Yesterday, a couple, a day before yesterday, a couple came over to our house for a visit. They have a little nine-year-old girl and the nine-year-old girl is in my son David's Sunday school class. And the couple told me how their little girl has come home and told them how David makes the Bible come alive to her. She, they said, she told her parents, he doesn't teach like other teachers. He makes you feel like you're there. He brings it alive. Why? 40 years ago, when I started teaching at the chapel, David watched me prepare. He watched me teach. Fathers teach their children as children watch them. A good father understands that his wife and his children have got their eye on him. They're watching him. And he's doing his most diligent, diligent teaching when maybe he's not even speaking. But just by watch, being watched. And Lot was being watched by his wife and his children. And Lot was a bad father because they watched him make the wrong decisions. When Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the well-watered plain of Jordan, and they said, uh, and he says to himself, well, you know, I can see Sodom and Gomorrah over there. They're pretty bad, but I think I can tolerate them. I can tolerate them. I, I mean, I'll get what I want in the process. And his wife is watching Lot, and Lot's teaching his wife, and Lot's wife saw him overlook the wickedness of the Sodomites to go after what he could get, get there in that well-watered plain of Jordan. And when Lot let himself be drawn in, to the city of Sodom, as it says, first he pitches his tent near the city of Sodom in Genesis 13, 12. And then it says Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent there. And then we see in Genesis 19, 1, Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He had really advanced up in position there. 
sitting in the gate, Sodom. He's teaching his wife and his children. They watched him be drawn in for its wealth. And then Lot's wife did just as Lot taught her. By example, when it says in, in Genesis 19, 24 through 26, and the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back. His wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Why did she look back? In Genesis 19, 26. Why did she do that? Because way back in Genesis 13, 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, was well watered everywhere before the Lord, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. And Lot was teaching his wife, and he didn't even know it. She was teaching her, yield, yield to the lust of the eye. He was not a good father because he didn't resist the lust of the eyes. He lifted up his eyes, Genesis 13, 10. His wife looked back, Genesis 19, 26. He lifted up his eyes. Lot lifted up his eyes. Therefore, his wife looked back. He was a bad father because he taught his daughters, when you're in trouble, it's okay to sin to get out of trouble. And in Genesis 19, 5 through 8, when those wicked men came, they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them, sexually. And Lot went out of the door unto them and shut to the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Then he says, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. That was a bad father because instead of calling on God for help from the men of Sodom who were trying to sexually abuse his guests, he resorts to sin by offering his two daughters instead of his guests. His daughters watched that. They saw that. He taught them during that time. And they, they, and they said, oh, when you're afraid, when you're in trouble, then you sin. Okay, we're afraid now because we're in the trouble of not having children so we will resort to Genesis 1936. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Bad father. Eli Melech, bad father. Like Lot, bad father. Because he didn't have the word of God in his heart. He made bad decisions. Eli Melech's first bad decision was like Lot. He lifts up his eyes. He sees the land of Moab as a place that looked pretty good. Looked pretty good to go. He's a bad father because he didn't teach his children by his examples. Resist the lust of the eyes. Bad father because, as like Lot, he tried to blend in, as we saw last time. The city of Sodom. Eli Melech tried to blend in with the Moabites. And Eli Melech's sons, they learned from their father to try to blend in. They took Moabite wives. They had no business doing that. God said, don't do that. And in the end, Eli Melech, he lost his wife. He lost his sons. He lost his own life when he died, and he, the family was gone. So we have Eli Melech here. Through his journey, as he launched off to start a new life, with all these new hopes and dreams, he's going to make a great future for himself in the land of Moab. Just one problem. It wasn't the will of God. 
It's never the will of God for a, a believer to leave his people. As God says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Eli Melech, he makes this decision to, to where he's going to live based on where he can be a prosperous man. A good father chooses the place to live based on where his church is and based on how easily he can get to it. A good father chooses where to live based on prayer and seeing the neighborhood as either a place of fellowship with other believers or a mission field for where he can reach others and bring them out of darkness into light. And neither Eli Melech nor Lot, they, they, didn't, they didn't live that way. They didn't choose where to live based on those factors. They chose where to live based on how easy it would, how easy it would become for them to become rich. And dreams were calling. They were calling Eli Melech. Come to this land. Become prosperous, the land of Moab. And we followed him as he led his family into this place he had no business going to. He didn't care about the will of God. He just forsook God's land, Israel. He forsook God's people, the Jewish people. And even though God wanted Eli Melech to stay with the Jewish people of God, he made the decision to leave, just blend in with the, with the Moabites. And we saw in our last study how believers can't just blend in. Believers don't just blend in. God says in Romans 12, 2, be not conformed. That means don't be blending in with this, by this, to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in 1 John 2, 17, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, it's not in him. For all that's in the world, summing it all up, all that's in the world, it's the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life. The world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Believers are an eternal people. We are an eternal people. We will not pass away. Non-believers are a people that will pass into an eternal state of lostness and suffering, as it says, and that's why it says in 1 John 2, 17, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth or lasts forever. Believers are an eternal people. As it says in Psalm 125, 1, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Proverbs 10, 25, as the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. It's this water, the Lord Jesus Christ has said, it's this water, it's this water that the Lord Jesus Christ to give to quench the soul that causes us to be an eternal people with eternal life. As he said in John 4, 14, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, it's a gift, shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's the water. It's the bread. It's the bread that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us that gives us eternal life. As he said in John 6, 58, this is the bread which came down from heaven, speaking of himself, not as your fathers did eat manna, not manna, and are dead. They ate manna, they're dead. 
He that eateth this bread, speaking of himself, shall live forever. So you notice what he said. He made this contrast between the ordinary bread, which in this case is manna, that the fathers ate, and the result, they're dead. And himself, he likens to the bread which comes down from heaven. Now, you may have heard that the bread that's eaten every Sabbath in observant Jewish homes is called challah. You may have heard that, right? How many have heard of challah? Okay, a few. Good. If you haven't, you go over to D.Z. Aikens, you can buy some. <laughs> it's the bread that has all that braid through it. Typically eaten on Sabbath, Friday night, in, in observant Jewish homes. The word challah is interesting. The word challah does not mean bread. Challah comes from the word chor, which means common or ordinary or secular. See, challah is like manna. It's ordinary bread. It's temporary bread. And in contrast with that, the Lord Jesus Christ is the bread of life that gives eternal life. So believers are a different people from the world because we have received a great gift, a great gift of eternal life. See, I do, I make all the babies cry. <laughs> I'll put that on my resume. Uh, <laughs> great gift of eternal life, as the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 10, 28 through 29. I give unto them, I give unto them, he says, eternal life. They'll never perish. And ne ne neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them unto me, he's greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. But tragically, Elimelech, as the father of his house, he led his family the wrong way. Now, that's chapter 1 of Ruth. We've studied the example of Elimelech. He's the bad father. Looked at Lot also. We've seen that he was a selfish man. He was a selfish father. He didn't put the word of God first in his heart. He didn't diligently teach his family to, to not forsake the assembling of themselves and not forsake the people. Now, in contrast to the bad father, Eli Melech, we now turn to the example of the good father, Boaz. Notice how he's described in Ruth 2.1. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Eli Melech, and his name was Boaz. See, in our history of Ruth, we're going to see that Boaz is going to become the wonderful deliverer. Unexpected, but he's going to become the wonderful deliverer. In contrast with Eli Melech as the bad father, now we see Boaz. He's a good father. He's a good example of a father in Israel. He's a good head of a family. He's a good example of a, good, of, a, of a head of a family in Israel. He's a good man. He's a good landlord in Israel. And we see these, first of all, he's described as a mighty man. The first word that's used to describe Boaz, he's come on the scene now, is that he's a mighty man. That's the word gibor in, in Hebrew, gibor. That's the word that God used to describe Gideon in Judges 6.12. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, the Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man, mighty man of valor, Gabor. He was a Gabor man, Gideon was, a mighty man. And what did he do, Gideon? He was brave. He delivered Israel from their enemies, like Boaz, wonderful deliverer. What does Do and what does Boaz do as a Gabor man? He's going to deliver Naomi, Ruth, from the doom of poverty. Boaz was a good father 
because he saw a need and he became a man of deliverance. Fathers are good fathers when they lead their families to see those outside the Lord Jesus Christ and lead their families to do what they can to see them saved. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.